Precious Lord, Lord, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. Lord, for all those things that you do for us daily, you strengthen us, you heal us, you lead us, you talk to us, and we thank you for those things, Lord. And Lord, we pray that today, Lord, that this message, Lord, will fall on ears ready to hear, that it will penetrate deep into the heart, mind, and spirit. And may it bring, I pray, Lord, through your spirit, new revelation on just how merciful, how graceful, and how kind you are to us. So we pray, Lord, have your way this day. In Yeshua's name, amen. As most of you may know by now, six o'clock this morning, I got the call, and it says, you're up. <laughs> Hope you're ready. <laughs> well, it's ironic, but I don't know how the Lord speaks to you, but the Lord speaks to me a lot of times, sometimes in, in just a word. And then it's, um, I don't know, it's like the Lord says, I want you to meditate on that word. I just want you to think about that word. And as time goes forward, the Lord will guide me to some scriptures that will expand that word and that will cause other paths to open and other avenues to investigate and so forth. And it, it all leads back to his character and to his love and all that he has for us. And the word that the Lord dropped on my heart uh, a couple of weeks ago was the word grace. And, the, of course, the first scripture that came to my heart was, by grace you are saved by faith. And it's not by your work. It is a work of God. And when I started looking at those words, I really started to meditate on that. And I said, what exactly, if we had to define this, how could we define that sentence? It's, it's an incredible sentence. So I, I really had to start breaking it down to myself and said, okay, let's, let's take this a little bit at a time. Grace can mean most definitely unmerited favor. In other words, receiving something that we absolutely do not deserve. A good illustration of just someone showing grace would be, let's say, someone getting caught red-handed stealing an orange off of a fruit stand. The individual's guilty 
of taking an item that he hadn't paid for, rightly paid for, and his intent was to take it without paying for it. He is guilty. The owner catches him. He has the right to bring punishment. He can come down severely. Let's get the parents involved. Let's call the police. I'm not going to have this. Or he can just simply say, son, you have sinned. I have the right to make this a big deal. But I also had the right to forgive. You may have the orange, and I will not press the charges. I had not really realized the extent by the word grace, how it's used in Scripture. It's really a very phenomenal word. There is no death that grace cannot go. It's an incredible word. The definitions are as many as the examples of. You can attach many words to the word of grace because it is just that deep of a word. I think you could literally use practically every word in the dictionary to go along with grace. It's an incredible word. It has no end. Its depths are real. And it's interesting to me, too, that with grace... It has a different effect on everybody because, let's say, depending on the amount of sin or how sinful we have been, how horrible that sin is or was, when grace is extended, if we have sinned little, then the grace that is extended brings little comfort. But when we have sinned greatly, really gone down into the depths of hell, if you will, and grace is extended to pull you out of that dark place and to restore you into a place you really don't belong, where the Lord calls you his son, his sister, and says, have a seat here with me by my grace you can sit in my presence. It seems to me I recall a scripture that says, from whom much is forgiven, much is required. Have you ever thought about what that really means? I'd like to use an example of a bouncing ball. Though I have a ball that can bounce 50 feet high, it can also bounce barely. I can barely bounce that ball if I want to. That's a little grace. But when someone has sinned deeply and has been forgiven, it's like taking that ball and with all your might, wham, sending it high into the air. I have been forgiven much. You realize that people who have by grace been forgiven much, how much more that love of God just whew, comes into them? 
It's a, a wow factor. It's a wild factor that we cannot imagine because for each one of us, it's different. What is God's wild factor for your life when he says, my grace is sufficient for you? Grace is such a unique word because it's, it's, it's so different. Grace is a word that's intangible. It's intangible. I can't see grace. I can't touch grace. I can't put my arms around grace. But I know grace is real because I feel it right here. I know God's grace has filled me with his presence. Grace is slide one. It's intangible. Unable to touch of grass not having a physical presence. And here it says, my companions don't care about cyber space or, because it's intangible. Who, I can't touch it. But on the other hand, if grace were tangible, if it were something that I could touch or feel, I would want grace to be a big teddy bear because I would want to hug grace with all that I had. And I want to keep hugging grace. I love grace. See, now we can relate to that. We can relate hugging a teddy bear because it's, it's, it's a way that we can feel or display our affection. But with grace, how do you display your affection for grace. I can't touch it. I can't see it. But I know it's there. Many levels of grace. Receiving grace from God is number one on the list. It's something that is received. Receiving grace from an individual, just like the fruit stand clerk gave grace to the young lad that stole the orange. It can be received individually. There is also a grace that is false. It's not real. When we say that we have forgiven somebody and that we have said, I have forgiven. I'm showing kindness to you. I have forgiven you. But yet, as soon as your back is turned, words are being shared with, about you by that person to someone else. That's not grace. That's false grace. It's false forgiveness, false kindness. We also have a type of grace by which we petition grace. I can petition an individual. I can petition God for grace. Mercy, kindness. Mercy, excuse me, grace is a word that cannot just, it cannot stand alone. It's not an individual concept. Grace needs many words to go with it to fulfill the circle. In other words, there's kindness that has to go with it. There's love that goes with, with this. Grace has to incorporate all these terms to fulfill the circle. 
Again, like we say, by grace, you're saved through what? Faith. What's faith? Faith is an action word that says what? First, I must believe. What is believe? Believing in him that he is. So now the circle is beginning already. So first, I must believe that he is. That he is a rewarder of those that do good. Through his his grace and his mercy and his kindness and his love, I'm able to do ministry. But now I'm working in ministry for the Lord, but I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it for him. It does not justify me, but by his grace, I do these things. And that's just one quick example of grace. Grace is an incredible word. It goes on forever. I promise I won't keep you here that long. (laughs) Let's look at some examples of grace. Slide number two. The first example of grace mentioned in Scripture is right here. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found favor or grace in the eyes of the Lord. Now think about that for just a minute. Here's another example of grace. Noah was not, did Noah even know that he needed grace? Was he praying for grace? Absolutely not. Noah was just going about his business, doing his day-to-day chores. Though those day-to-day chores may have been worshiping Lord in his heart, blessing his children, Noah was doing his day-to-day things on his own. But then all of a sudden it says, but the Lord found grace with Noah. But see, here's the other side of that coin. When you see that, this is where investigating scriptures really come into play. Because see, then you have to turn that coin over and say, wait a minute. Why did God have to extend grace to Noah? Because, see, on the other side of that coin, it says, and judgment was coming to the world. It is because of judgment, Noah found grace. Because he did not deserve the judgment that was coming. So the other side of that coin said, judgment is here. But Noah found grace. I was like, wow, that is awesome. Let's look at another example. The second time that grace is used is in Genesis 19. 1919. Behold, now their servant has found grace in your sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which you have shown me in saving my life. I cannot escape into the mountains, lest some evil take me and I die. Now, this is an interesting verse. You may recognize this. This is what Lot is saying to the angels that are escorting him out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot is petitioning the angels. Now, I really have a big problem with this verse. In one sense, I look at this verse and says, God sent angels to rescue you from, here goes this word again, judgment. Judgment's coming. 
God has already shown you favor in that he's going to allow you to escape before he destroys the city. God has even gone another step to take angels and to grab you by your hand and take you out of that city because his grace is with you. His angels are now walking with you and your family outside the city because his grace is with you. His angels were given instruction that, that said, go to the mountains. Go to the mountains. But Lot stops them along the way and beseeches the angels. He says, if, if, you, if I have found grace, if I have found favor in your sight, um, you know, I don't want to go to the mountains because something ill is going to befall me. We don't know what that word there or that scenario means. We don't know whether hoodlums are going to attack them or whether because of his health he might feel like he was going to have a heart attack. But wait a minute, you're walking with angels. You're walking with angels. Is, is this because you want it your way? You were the one that wanted to change the direction? God says there's probably a more favorable situation up on the mountain for you. But Lot says, no, nah, I'd better take this little town over here. It's not as far to walk. But through God's favor, he allowed it to happen. Lot got what he wanted. So Lot petitioned favor from the angels. And he got what he wanted. Let's look at another example. The third example of grace in the Old Testament comes from Genesis uh, 33. And it says, no, please, said Jacob, if I have found favor, if I have found grace, if I have found mercy in your eyes, accept this gift from me. For, you, for, for to see your face is like seeing the face of God. Now that you have received me favorably. You can take the words favor, favorably, accepts, and interchange all those words with the word grace. I have found favor in your presence. That's grace. That's mercy. That's kindness. I have found all these things in your presence, and your face was like God to me. Do you know what that means? That means he could see, he could see in Esau's face. Jacob could see in Esau's face that he had been completely forgiven. There was no heaviness, there was no anger, there was nothing left in him. He says, your face is like God to me. You radiate to me that you have forgiven me, you have shown me favor and grace. Hmm. Kindness. You have shown me kindness. And the Barit HaKadoshah, there's a story that is a great example of grace. And it covers 
at least two different levels. I haven't fully developed this thought, but it's at least two different levels this story addresses. It addresses God's level of grace and man's level of grace. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 18. I'll read this to you. We're familiar with this story, but I think it's worthwhile to read. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a man who wanted to settle accounts with his servant. As he began to settle, a man who owed 10,000 bags of gold was bought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees and he begged for mercy. I will pay you back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt, mercy, and let him go. And when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay me what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged for grace and mercy. Be patient with me, I'll pay you back the debt. When the other servant saw what happened, when the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged and went and told the master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in and he said, You are wicked. You are a wicked servant, he said. I cancel your debt. Of, I cancel the debt of yours because you wanted grace. You wanted mercy. You begged me. Shouldn't you have mercy also on others, on your fellow servants, just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tormented until he should pay back what he owes. When God extends his grace, when God extends his mercy to each and every one of us, we had a debt that nobody else could pay. We owed more than we could pay. There was no way we could pay. We were in our own prison. But Yeshua, through his abundant mercy, through his grace, he forgave us of our debt. He opened the prison doors and he set us free so that we would no longer be in bondage to that so held us captive. It's by his grace. It's unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but it's given. You don't deserve it in the least in the holiness and in the presence of the holiness of God, we do not deserve it by no means. But because he loves us, he extends his grace to all who ask. 
to all who would, as the story just said, would get down on their knees and ask. He would extend his grace. One more quick scripture and we'll be done. From Ephesians chapter 2. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. It's not a work of yourselves. It is a gift. Gift. God wants to give you a gift. God wants to forgive you. And isn't it kind of interesting how all these words kind of intermingle together? You can't have mercy without faith in him. You, to have faith in him is to love him, and plus he's also loving you. And then it is a gift that he gives to you. You can't mention the word grace by itself. It's a love thing. Grace is kindness wrapped in forgiveness and presented to you as a gift of love. Isn't that awesome? Grace is kindness wrapped in forgiveness and presented to you as a gift from Almighty God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord,